the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving in storage studio. What's up, America? It's the Ramsey Show. And we are hanging out to have a conversation about your life, your relationships, your mental health, your money, all of it. I'm John Deloney, joined here by best-selling author and all-around pretty good human being, Rachel Cruz. And we're taking your calls on whatever's going on in your life, 888 5225. Calls toll free, 888 825 5225. Like overall good human being, or is that like my no, intro? Oh, because okay, they're good. not. You say it every time we're on the show together. So I'm like, is that You're a mine, good person, or is that like? No. Do you say that about everyone? Oh, I see. <laughs> overall good human being. <laughs> as though we're we're on a date. And, hey, it's like, and you're like, oh, do you tell everybody that they're pretty? Is that, is that what you're asking? Do overall you, good human being. I'm gonna take as my own. I'm claiming it. That is my title. I've I've never said George Campbell's an overall good human being. <laughs> okay, good. Just because I'm sure. committed to telling the truth on this show. That's just like one of the things. It's one of the things. Let's go to uh, Jenny in Charlotte. What's up, Jenny? Hey, Dr. John. Hey, Rachel. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. How can we help? You're more than a pretty good human being, there, Rachel. Oh, come on, Jenny, come on, Dr. John. I appreciate Let, you. I appreciate you, Jenny. I'm so glad you're the first pandering, call of the show. Pandering, pandering. So, just filled know, my I'm soul. Just <laughs> I'm just I kidding. I want to tell Rachel She's quickly. Every Christmas, at least one person I know gets Smart Money, Smart Kids as a book. Oh, so, yeah, you're pretty great. I'm so, so glad. Changing the next generation. <laughs> I love it. That's right. That's right. Uh, quick question for you guys. I'm going to try to make a long story short. Austin was so great talking to him. Um, we live in a pretty wealthy area of Charlotte where you hardly ever see a homeless person. Last week, I saw a gal tucked way behind, not holding a sign, not asking for anything. So my ultimate question is regarding boundaries with a non-family member, but a homeless person that I've gotten to know pretty well over the last week or so because I've been doing, you know, a day routine of like, let's write down your goals. Where do you want to go next? She's obviously kind of a user, not kind of a user. She is a user. And so when I met her that day, we chatted for a little bit. Said, what would you like? She said, can you get me a sandwich? Sure. Came back, talked to her more. And I told her that I called all the local shelters in the area and all five of them had a wait list. And three of them required a substance abuse program first. And she said, well, thanks for looking into that, you know. I left later that night when my husband got home. It was raining, and he said, let's just go check on her. I know you probably can't stop thinking about her. Went back to check on her. She just really wanted to go back home. She was 35 miles away that someone just gave her a ride, hopefully to you know get to a nicer area like ours. So we paid for an Uber for her to go back home um, with you know her two shopping carts worth of things. And unfortunately, I did give her my phone number because I just wanted to make sure she was safe. She got back that 35 miles. And now she's calling me constantly, like a few times a day. And now we've kind of whittled down the conversations from an hour and a half to now five minutes. And I'm just trying to encourage her, Lisa, did you go take your bike up to Bojangles? Did you, are you looking at your kids' names every day? What's your three-week goal? What's your three-month goal? And how do you be a, a giving believer but not an able and like what, and how do I get rid of my guilt of like, oh man, I just wanted to move in with me, which won't happen. But um, like, how, how do you guys handle someone that, you know, needs a lot, but you, like I said, don't want to enable. And I'm a huge fan of Dr. Henry Cloud's book, but he talks more about relatives and not new, really in need friends. Hmm. Um, so here's, here's how me and my family have, have navigated this. One, um, 
I this is just this is this the way the Delonies do it. Okay, so this isn't a, a prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, I err on the side of um, over loving than I do under loving. And it was a, mm-hmm. a conversation I had with a psych professor, one of my close mentors, several years ago, when he said um, I stopped asking, "Why won't that person quit drinking?" And I started mm-hmm. asking, "What is?" gone so sideways in this person's life who hurt this person to the degree that um, what choices were made downstream that this is the only way they can get through a day and that was a transformative moment for me because it allowed me to walk in be in relationship with somebody instead of walking towards somebody with my judgment in hand right so in our house we do err on the side of i'm going to be over giving um and I also have had to come to terms with this, and this is hard. Um, two important facts. One, um, often the downstream things are three things. The downstream things like goal boards and are you doing these activities, those all come behind. I need a place to, to sleep and I need food yeah. and I need water, right? Um, we often want to solve these big existential issues with folks and they're just hungry right? Or um, they're drinking because of what they had to do this morning to get food, right? And yeah. so it's, that's, that's number one. Number two, you've, you've seen it. Presence is often, um, once the basic needs are met, human connection and presence is intoxicating. It's such a powerful yeah. thing, right? And that's, it doesn't surprise me that you're getting calls all the time. Here's where I struggle most is I have to recognize my limitations, and I've got to let yeah. professionals in my local area who are tied into resources, who are connected to addiction therapists. I've got a lot of grad school. I'm not. I'm not a trauma. Resp- I mean, I can respond to trauma. I'm not a long term. I got to know my limitations. Is what I'm saying. Um, and here's the final thing, and this one's the hardest. Eventually, somebody has to decide that they want to make their life different, and. Yeah. You can put food in front of uh, folks. You can you can provide resources and you can provide care, um, but somebody at some point has to make the decision that they are going to accept resources. They're going to get on the wait list. They're going to start taking their meds. They're going to um, go sit with a local pastor, a local church who's got resources to help in the gap between um, the the shelters. Right? Someone's going to have to decide. I'm going to be willing to be a part of that. You can't make somebody be well i guess is what i'm what i'm trying Mm. to say um and ultimately people i think have to come to like how can i sleep tonight and i've got friends who let people just come stay at their house and i've got friends who write enormous checks and i've got friends who work um at the rescue mission here in nashville i got friends who are all in all different spectrums and ultimately i'm not going to get in the business of judging somebody i am in the business of what as for me in my house right and I think that's mm-hmm. where ultimately yeah. where you have yeah, to Yeah, through my house. We serve the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Jenny, here's, and here's what that looks like. You're a pretty remarkable woman. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Not, not many people would stop, let alone have the steps that you that you took. And even and even feeling like, gosh, I'm thinking about her on a rainy night and then actually Going to making do something. the steps to go do right. something. Yeah. So Jenny, your heart your heart's just amazing. I just want to encourage you in that. But I think at the end of the at the end of the day, what John said, my like always basic line is like you can't be the hero in everyone's story. Like there's a factor that they have to play as well. Um, where that encouragement comes in from you possibly from time to time, right? And what you what your bandwidth is. Uh, but being able to hand 
her the resources that she needs from the basics to even the mental health, like John was saying, I think is really wise. So I would reach out to folks in your area. They've got wait lists. Great. I would reach out to local pastors, to local so local social workers, and see if you can get her connected with some resources that would be bridge resources until she can get a place to stay. Thank you so, so much for having a great heart. We'll be right back. Hey folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want, every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today, every dollar. Welcome back. This is The Ramsey Show, 888-825-5225. I'm John Deloney, joined by a great, great person, Rachel Cruz. (laughs) And we're taking your calls on money, life, mental health, relationships, whatever's going on, 888-825-5225. So one of, I feel like it's now become a pastime on the show where we'll take financial advice we've seen out, as you would say, the internets and say, oh, is that good advice? Is that bad advice? So Credit Karma, their TikTok accounts is just full of (laughs) wonderful things. So this one came up uh, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a fascinating take. So. John, you're gonna you're you're gonna just get right. No, no, hold on. That's that's next. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So we're so gonna play here, the video. Here's the video first. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. One thing that's cool about becoming an adult is that it's very embarrassing to not have a credit card. Do you have a credit card, Channing? No. <laughs> first of all, you have to understand what a credit card is. Alexa, can you explain to me what a credit card is? All I know is that you swipe and get free money. Then you need to know how to use it to your benefit. Megan, what perks do you get from your credit card? Uh, I think I get like airline miles or something, maybe like a trip to Mexico. And then you need to figure out which one to apply for. Credit Karma is the secret life hack everyone needs in their life to make things a little easier when searching for a new credit card. You can explore different kinds of cards, and the best part is that you can see your chances of approval before even applying. But won't it hurt your credit to look on Credit Karma? Nope, and it's free. So, if you want to make the most informed decision before applying for a credit card, go check out Credit Karma. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> hey, can I just ask you something? When you're hanging out, because like I've just been with a lot of like r- a lot of rooms with guys just hanging out doing stuff. Oh yeah. Have you ever? Like, do you and your friends and y'all get together? Do you all like say the same thing together? <laughs> at the same time, like, when one of your friends is knitting, do you all go, yeah. "Hey, you want to say it at the same time?" One, two, yeah, the only one, time I two. say the same phrase is <laughs> someone is George Campbell these days, and this is Smart Money Happy oh, Hour. We gosh. say that at the same time. That's about that's the closest in unison I get. Uh, so, so let's we'll we'll talk about it in a second. That that's video. gross. But what's funny Are we to say is that, Jane? that that was just gives me the ooze. Oh, it gets you just like. <laughs> uh, well, number one, just shaming. It's like, do you, <laughs> I know. If you, you don't, don't want to be the loser. You don't want to. Yeah, if you don't have a credit card, because there's a level of like that of that social tribal right idea that it's like yeah. I want to plug in, and when you're on the outs, we're gonna just smug and. <laughs> but but your it literally kicks brain chemistry in action. 
to get you back into your tribe, right? And so videos like that are are not not only are they deceptive and they're like not cool, but they have actual physiological chemical like responses Reactions. in people's bodies. They're like, oh, I don't want to. I, I don't want my friends. What to, am I missing? Yeah, yes. I don't want to be the weirdo. What I am I doing? Loser. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. So one of their big selling points, though. In that TikTok video specifically was that you can get pre-approved. Like you can know if you're pre-approved before you actually apply for a credit card. Mm. So now they're actually being sued. <laughs> credit card. By the FTC. By FTC. <laughs> uh, because they are falsely pre-approving people for credit cards. So the same thing that they're like <laughs> encouraging being like, oh yeah, we can do this. They're being sued for. So man. God bless. God bless credit card companies just trying to get you people in. The FTC's you know proposed America. complaint alleges that from these dates to these dates, Credit Karma falsely told many consumers they had been pre-approved for credit offers, leading consumers to apply, incur a hard inquiry on their credit reports, and if they're denied, potentially damage their credit scores unnecessarily. That part I don't even care about. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't like it. They're lying to their potential customers, um, and they're hurting their credit reports. I just, I, I, that's more insidious because mm-hmm. kids live on TikTok and it's propaganda. It's, and those girls. it's, yeah. Well, and it's like the sarcasm a little bit behind it of like, so do you know what it is? I don't know. I think it's just like free money. Yeah. And it's like showing this like uneducate, what feels uneducated. I know they're just trying to be snarky about it. But that snarky is, it's just free money or you just get free airline miles. Yes. Like, it's oh, that's what a credit card seeps is. It into like the idea and it's like, oh, I'm learning something yeah. through this TikTok and, mm, Gross. Gross on a stick in a Credit box. <laughs> Ugh. All right, let's go to Jared in Detroit. I just let's Jared bring us some good stuff, man, because that gives me the, the, the ugh. Hi there. Thanks a million for having me on the show. Thank you. Two million. What's up, man? <laughs> so I'm a current college student. I'll be finished at the end of 2023. What are you studying? Um, I'm 20 years old. I'm studying engineering, mechanical engineering. Nice. Excellent. And then I've, and then I just got married this past August as well. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so my wife and I both, we've consolidated our finances and we have about $30,000 to invest um, beyond all of our expenses and our emergency fund. And we're debating what we should do with that money. So I'll be finished with school at, in 2023 and we're debating if we want to um, continue to live in an apartment until um, my wife finishes school or if we want to invest that money somewhere else. And so I'd like your advice on what we should do with that. What do you want to do after 2023? Like 2024, what does life look like for you guys if you're just a dream? Um, so my, my wife will finish college at the, in the spring of 2024. And from there, we have no idea where we'd like to live um, precisely, but I do have a really good position right now. And I see the strongest option for us to, to stay in the current area that we're in, especially because family is close. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Jared, if I were you guys, you're just in a lot of transition still from being in school. Mm-hmm. You guys just got married. There's a lot of moving pieces. And because of that, what life could look like, yeah, you know, in in the fall of 2024, uh, two years from now, you know, you, you it's almost like you can't predict it because you guys have so many moving pieces. And yes, I know you kind of have like yep. a hunch that we may be staying close by. Um, 
So if I were you, because how old are you guys? Um, so I'm 20 years old and my wife is 19. Okay. Y'all are very sharp, very mature, very uh, great at saving. <laughs> I didn't to know be what that day age. it was when I was 19, Jared. Way to go, man. To be that age and have this money saved. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, so Jared, if I were you guys, I would hang on to it. Okay. I'd hang on to that money. Make okay. sure you guys get through school debt free. Um, make sure mm-hmm. that you guys are continuing to live within your means. Like all of this stuff that you guys are doing, there's no rush, right? So I, yeah. if I were you, I would save that because probably what's going to happen, you're going to probably end up saving more into that account. I would just put it in mm-hmm. a money market account. And then I would okay. probably think by in two years, you guys are going to have an idea of where you're going to land and you're going to have a really nice down payment for a house. Yeah. I would probably look at yeah. it as a future down payment, but I would not, okay. I would not pull the trigger on that as of today because mm-hmm. of this transition of just getting married and still in school, all the moving pieces renting right now. I know it feels like you're throwing money away, but it's a low risk. It's a low risk move. Mm-hmm. And I, and I would just do that. I think you guys are okay for two years and you guys are going to be fine. So, so don't feel the urgency. Mm-hmm. Like I have to invest the $30,000 into the market because we're going to lose building wealth, all that. You will get to that and you will be <laughs> Just fine. I promise Jared, you. I'm not the Thank picture you. of stability. Nobody's ever accused me of that. Um, <laughs> right before I, my yeah, senior I'm, year in college, I had a plan on who I was going to marry. I had a plan on where I was going to be um, professionally. And I was in yeah. one city. And right when I graduated, um, right before I graduated, I broke. we broke up. I ended up in another state. Wow. And then... A few months after that, I end up going back to visit my parents and ran into my old high school track coach. Who then um, we sat down and talked, and I ended up a high school teacher in yet another city in another state. And then I got back together with that person, and we've been married for 20 years. Why did I tell you that? You have no idea what the next three to four to five to six to seven to ten months looks like, okay? Mm-hmm. And so Rachel's yep. wisdom is, again, you probably aren't going to get whiplashed around like I am because... I'm pretty unstable. Sounds, pretty unstable. Jaren sounds. He's an engineer. Jaren sounds like <laughs> you now. Yeah, probably. Um, but sit tight. Maybe the thing that you need to practice over the next six months is breathing, laughing, go to a concert, go have fun, live outside the spreadsheet a little bit, and enjoy your life. Okay, you're doing a great, great job. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Rachel. You've heard me talk about Christian Healthcare Ministries, a health cost-sharing ministry, but I want you to hear from one of their members. Abby racked up a lot of doctor bills with a recent pregnancy, but she said CHM shared all of her eligible pregnancy-related medical expenses and their staff was consistently attentive, helpful, and considerate. That's Abby's CHM story, and it could be yours. Learn more and join chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget.
888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. Let's go out to Jenny in Toronto, Canada. Hey, Jenny, what's up? Hi there, John and Rachel. Thank you for taking my call today. You got it. What's up? Um, a couple days ago, I found a uh, deposit slip in my car my husband had left there that showed uh, our small business account had uh, over $6,000 in debt on it. And uh, I was on the understanding that we were on baby steps four, five, and six. Uh, I confronted him about it, and he said, oh, that's all overheads that have, uh, you know, come up in the last uh, couple weeks. And uh, I went and I looked at his last um, business bank statement as well, and I saw that it was actually uh, over $10,000 in small business debt since before August. And this is a a pretty big issue for us because... uh, when we finished Baby Step 3 at the end of August, I left my corporate job to stay home with our two kids. Mm. So uh, he is very sensitive about this issue, got very defensive when I tried to talk to him. So it's just uh, lying under the surface right now. Um, so how do I talk to him and do we use our emergency fund to uh, pay off this debt? Uh, two things here. Um one, this this has very little to do with debt. This has to do with you finding out that your husband stared you square in the eyes and lied to you. Yeah. And it's about something that you two had both put your hands in and said, go team, we're all in this together. And then he went and did this. And so there, there's, an, it's not like y'all had never talked about debt and you found a credit card. This is y'all are consciously working towards building a different kind of life. And then this happened on the side. And then he lied to you about it. Um, anytime something like this pops up, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, somebody goes and, and runs up ten grand and is trying to move this shell over here and this shell over there, um, my, my inclination, right or wrong, is he's seeing somebody or he's, uh, an addiction has gotten out of control. Is there any possibility of those two things? I would have said no, but this has really, uh, really shocked me. Really, yeah. really shocked me. Yeah. Um, it's a, he's always been sensitive about finances because he took over a family business. Um, this was family business, um, and there was debt associated with that, and he had to have some tough conversations with his mom, which he always is uh, referencing, but I, I need to ask him some tough, straight-on questions about it and I mean jokingly we had said you know is there like you know who are you supporting and he was just like no this is just overhead costs this is what it takes to run the business well then your business is failing underneath you right yeah right and this isn't even like a capital expense like he went and bought a tractor for the farm this is like paying light bills is what he's trying to tell you is that right yeah yeah, and, yeah, you know, that's a failing, that's a failing product business. and shipping fees and yeah, um, yeah, insurance fees. So, but it, it didn't add up. So he, yeah, and that that's the part that he didn't sit down and say, "Here's the receipts. Here's where this is at. I shouldn't have done this. I screwed up. Um, I got all these new invoices and I panicked and I just opened up a quick line of credit and paid this." That's not his response. His response was, "You're crazy. You leave me alone. All I'm yeah. doing is this." Yeah right? Yeah. It's always been a mess. Yes. Not my fault. Yeah. Um, and 
it, there's a reason the word we use, and we don't, we're not trying to oversell it here, um, here at Ramsey, we use the words financial infidelity because it's that level of violation. When you find out the home, the, the, the foundation of your home that you were walking on is, is suddenly not what you thought it was, right? And right. my guess here is there's something deeper here. Either he feels like he is the son that was supposed to keep his family business going and he is unable to live in reality that this business isn't solvent or um, he's seeing somebody or like, and that's the problem with lying, right? Is it opens up the whole, every door and window in the house for scrutiny and questions. And so uh, my experience has been when I have these type of conversations and I haven't had to have them with my wife, but I've had to have them with coworkers before. Um, I have to write it down. Otherwise, I get pretty pissed off and I get pretty emotional. I get pretty fired up and then I stop thinking and then I get accusatory. And so I would write down, here's your concerns, here's your questions and mm -hmm. ask him directly, I need direct answers to these questions. And here's the overarching theme. I no longer feel safe in my home. I don't feel safe in my marriage with you because you have violated my trust. We're going to start there. And you get to feel, you're not going at him you lied you did this we're talking about here's how i feel right now and he can't deny that right okay um if yeah. you think he needs you need a like a marriage counselor or somebody in your community a couple that you trust that can sit with you guys that's cool um but in my if i was doing if i was in your exact shoes i would write these things down rachel what do you think no it's a great yeah a great point yeah and jenny i mean like in this if i were like if that had happened in my household, right? If I'm putting myself in your shoes, the mm -hmm. business issues, the tactical side of the business, whether it's failing, like that's that's down the road. Like I'm going to worry about that. But I think talking to him about like the like this is a this is a marriage issue because in his head he probably is I would think still uh, functioning at the level of like oh gosh you found out about the debt and he and it's still in a money sphere for him possibly mm. with the with possibly knowing oh gosh there might this might get worse and deeper and i think you coming at it as like as my husband in our marriage like forget the quote-unquote money piece it's the, what john said it's it's the lying like i you lied to me you lied to me and here's the facts of what i found and and we got to talk through this because i have to get to a point again where where we rebuild this trust because man this is this is not this is not going to go well this is not a good pattern um and that's a and, that, and that's hard, Jenny. Like that's a hard conversation to have. Do you guys yeah. in your marriage? Do you feel um, like have y'all have y'all been able to have like healthy conflict, if you will, in marriage? Like, do you feel like you have a voice in the marriage, all of that, or is yeah. this going to be like yeah, an out of character thing for him to experience no, you like he's this? He's a good man, and when you know you said the thing about you know he's the son who has to carry on the family business and, and feeling that responsibility something just went twang in my heart because he said things like that before like he has to keep it going well let's yeah. let's put um, one on, let's put one more on there you came to him at some point a year ago six months ago and said i'm ready to cash in all that i've worked for to get my high-paying corporate job because i'm be feeling that the next chapter of my life is going to be a stay-at-home mom and he loves you so much. He's like, I'm all in and wanted to do what he could to support your dream. Just that maybe the math isn't working out. Mm 
And so I can see a scenario where he started trying to do the best he could to keep your dream alive, the household's dream alive, or maybe he pressured mm-hmm. you into quitting your job. Who knows? But that on top of, hey, you're the, you're the, we picked you, Golden Boy, to keep the family business going. And people do wild things when they start feeling pressure. And it may be that this is a conversation that he will weep from, he's been carrying this so long, there will be some peace in his soul finally. You know what I mean? Because shame, it's Brene Brown says, shame eats secrets for breakfast. Man, he's probably dying under the weight of this thing. And again, this is the best case scenario, right? Yeah. Um, that yeah. he was such a good guy, he tried to find every avenue mm-hmm. and ended up finding himself over his head and then he started lying about it. Cool, we can work from that. Or worst case scenario, he's got somebody else, right? And he is blowing through money left and right. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, there's just not another way um, to heal from this except right through the middle of it. And I would go in very clear what I was going to say and go in very much. Here's how I'm experiencing this. Not you did and you did. Here's what I'm experiencing and here's what I'm about to do about it. Unless we get real clear real fast. And um, we'll be thinking about you. If you get a moment, call us back and let us know how things went after this conversation. Um, like to follow up with our audience on it. Thank you so much for trusting us. This is The Ramsey Show. We'll be right back. Guys, it's no secret that the real estate market is weird right now. So go with a mortgage company you can trust to have your back. Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is Ramsey trusted because they're stable, reliable, and focused on you. At a time when a lot of companies are being bought out or going out of business, count on Churchill Mortgage to stick around. They've been doing things the right way for over 30 years, and they'll keep doing them the right way for 30 more. Get started at churchillmortgage.com. This is a paid advertisement. NMLS ID 1591. NMLS Equal housing lender. 1749 Mallory Lane, Suite 100. Brentwood, Tennessee 37027. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm John Deloney, joined here by Rachel Cruz, and we're taking your calls, 888-825-5225. Blinds.com's 100% satisfaction guarantee means even if you mismeasure or pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. Get free samples, free shipping, and with the new promos they run every month, you'll save even more. Use promo code RAMSEY to get the best deal. And today's question comes from Brenda in Missouri. My husband and I are 61 and we had a nice nest egg of investments. We worked with our financial advisor for 14 years and he was someone that we trusted, that was trusted and did financial seminars at our church. He ended up embezzling all of our retirement investments. Oh, oh gosh. And is now in prison, but we're left with nothing. What should we do? We're scared to death. Oh, Brenda. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to assume there's there's lawsuits and, you know, action that's being taken. Um, yeah, the only thing I can think of is the two examples that come to mind are, one, again, this is 
third hand, but reading some of the Bernie Madoff losses, right? Um, and they were left with nothing, and they had to start over. Mm. And then the people that I knew um, in Houston where I grew up that were overly, if not entirely, invested in Enron. And Enron went away, and they woke up. They went to bed millionaires. They woke up the next day with nothing. With nothing. And they literally had to start over and um, just had to go get a, a close friend, family that who I actually love was an uh, executive there, and then shortly thereafter was um, running a laser tag company. I mean, and was going to massage school. I mean, just started over. Like, oh. We got to start over. So um, this is one of those yeah. hard things that maybe you can – have a lawsuit Salvage. well yeah, well but, i don't yeah i don't know or if it's you, insured but i doubt it if you contact you know who he was who his license was with i mean like you know what i mean sometimes that there's some insurance or something yes yeah, some things in there within yeah i mean I, w- I would dig into that brenda but man just to tell you to start over at 61 breaks my heart it I'm does like, it geez. does um yeah it breaks my heart um and there is unfortunately so, my career has been the, the majority of my career has been sitting down with folks when mm. the worst of the worst has happened mm-hmm. and saying, okay, this is, this What's is happened? reality. This is, this is what has happened. What are we going to do next? Yeah. Right. Yep. And it would, it's maybe a hard conversation about, we got to go back to work and both of us are going to have to work a lot just to try to get a little bit back in the, as much as we can back in the system so that it can start earning and start earning. Yeah. Um, and now's a tough season. Um, actually, now's a great season to be throwing money in the market because it's on sale, right? But um, if this is what I think it is, Brenda, I, I hate to be the guy to tell you, but it looks like y'all are going to be starting over. And it may be what you thought were the next 20 years. Between 61 and 81, y'all are going to be traveling the country. It may be between 61 and 81, y'all are working really hard. Um, or y'all are finding work in your local community or maybe have to move. You've got to figure stuff out. Um, not by your hand, but in your lap, this happened. And we're going to have to call some old business contacts. We're going to have to crank up a small business. We're going to have to get a job in the local community and, um, just start saving again. This is just really heartbreaking. Mm. Mm. Rachel, do you have any other? <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean that, that would be it. I would either go, you know, the legal route and see what again where licenses are where he's affiliated i mean talking to to all of that but if, if there's not a safety net there and a catch-all and a yeah anything there then starting over is is what i mean that that would be the case that's like yeah so what do we do now with that reality so i'm so sorry brenda all right let's go to robert in tampa florida hey robert what's up hello Hello. How are you guys today? We're great, man. How are you? I am well. Good uh, deal. Kind of in a little bit of a dilemma, and I think I know the right answer, but my gut and my heart are differing in opinions. My mind keeps telling um, me no. What's up? What do you think? What's up? Yeah. All right. So my wife and I were on steps four, five, and six. We cleaned our mess up 10 years ago after we got married. We're in a good spot. A couple years ago, we decided to become foster parents. We are doing very well. Awesome. We're stable. So we started taking in kids. So as of Monday, we have three foster kids plus our mm-hmm. daughter. Everything's going smooth. We get a phone call late at night. Uh, they just took four kids in. They need beds. Just, just you got a bed. So we took two of them. Mm-hmm. We took the six and the seven year old. So now we have them in our house. We have beds and it's a mess. Fostering is difficult. It's really hard, especially when you first get the kids, mm-hmm. but you know, we've had them but we're in a bit of a pickle. 
we want to keep them. We know that if we let these girls go, they're going to split and they're going to go to two different houses if they don't end up at group homes or sleeping in an office. We'd like to keep them. We don't, we have one car. We're a one car household. I work from home. I don't need a car. We don't have enough seatbelts. Now, from a financial perspective, like we're, we're fine, right? We're on baby steps four, five, and six. We have the emergency fund, the whole nine yards. But in order to get a car with enough seatbelts, essentially we need to sell the one we have and go buy one. So we're looking at something, you know, two or three years older than what we have, just trying to make it work. But when you start getting up to an eight seat vehicle, even 10 year old ones are kind of expensive, especially in this market. I have to bring money to the table. I don't have enough cash to bring to the table to do it right now. So I'd have to dig myself like a three month hole of debt. And I could probably clean it up in three months. It's not that bad. My gut says, stick with your discipline. You're already helping three kids, like help yourself first, do it right. And then do what you can. But my heart says, no, keep the girls. And I don't really know where I'm at with this. Yeah, and and for you, Robert, is the is the eight seatbelts the thing that would keep you from keeping the girls? The licensing will not let me keep them okay. if I don't if I can't transport them. How much do you have in your emergency fund? Thirty thousand. Go buy a van. How much is your car worth now? Mm, probably like fifteen. Yeah, go sell it and take fifteen of that money and buy a thirty thousand dollar van to get you down the road, and it's not going to be a nice van. And and that's kind of where I'm at is like debt has been almost sacrilegious. Don't, 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 don't. You you don't don't need to Robert. And let me challenge you on this. Um, Who you are and what you are doing, you and your wife are doing is, is second to none. Like y'all, y'all are, you are the shining example of who we all could and should be in our communities. So I applaud you. And you have boxed yourself into a corner that I think is not an accurate representation of reality. You really want these girls. You do not have a guarantee they're going to get split up. They might, but the children's home that I was on the board of for several years did. Ev- they fought tooth and nail to keep kids together. And so, yeah. you might want them, and that's how the debt. That's how debt makes its way into our lives when we really, really want something. Usually, it's a guitar or it's a fancy sports car. And in your case, you really, really want to love two young kids. Incredible. Um, sacrificing your values and your own mental health and your own anxiety because now you owe somebody money. I got to get this paid off. I got seven miles to feed. I got eight miles to feed. You know as well as we do that you're, gonna, you're going to um, push a snowball off the top of a hill. It's going to go the other way, right? You're going to start a cascade of things that are going to be very hard to wrap back up because you think you can do it in three months unless one of these kids needs has special needs, another kid has special dietary concerns, and then now we're down another road. And so I would, um, you know what I would do before I did anything is I would call a couple of friends. Um, I've got a couple of buddies that I've reached out to in the past and said, hey, there's somebody in need. Um, and before I can finish a sentence, they'll say, how much? And I'll say, I need 1500 bucks from each of you. And they've shown up every time. Or call your local church and say, here's what I'm about to do. Here's what I'm facing. $10,000 would make a huge difference in the lives of these two little girls. Right? And here's the thing. You have become the hero to a, to three kids, now four and five kids. Sometimes heroes have to ask for help. 
And I would make a phone call to some people in your life that you trust or to your local congregation to see if some people give them an opportunity to step up to. Um, but man, thank you for your heart. Just, yeah, you're doing amazing just say work. no to debt. Man. Just say no to debt. Uh, Nate, that's the first hour in the books here on The Ramsey Show. Stay with us. We will be right back. It's Rachel Cruz, co-host on The Ramsey Show. If you want to do your debt-free scream live on the show, visit RamseySolutions.com slash debt-free scream. We'd love for you to come to Nashville and tell Dave your story. That's RamseySolutions.com slash debt-free scream. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from The Ramsey Network, like Ramsey Call of the Day. Check out our new Ramsey Call of the Day podcast. It'll give you a quick hit of advice about life and money in under 10 minutes. Listen to the Ramsey Call of the Day wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.